The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. In our city alone, Hagerstown, in 2016, there was a statistic that showed that everyone that calls the hub city home, 27% of them are going to be living in abject poverty. Let me put that into context for us this weekend. That's one out of four residents, that's one out of four neighbors, one out of four family members that are living day in and day out in constant need. For those that's watching in our other locations, just imagine this, that one out of four individuals that you are sitting next to are living with a need. In 2016, also, Maryland averaged 10% in their poverty rate. Now, that may not mean a lot, but for our city, that means that we more than double the rate of our actual state. Where am I getting at today? Is this, you don't have to look really far to see and to hear that there is a great need all around us. My question for us today is simply this. Have we grown numb to those needs? Have we grown desensitized even to homelessness, addictions, poverty, death? And if we were to answer honestly, not intentionally, but we'd probably say yes. Why would I say that? It's because statistics are staggering and numbers, they're absolutely numbing and they dehumanize us. You see, we'll, we'll look at the numbers, but then the numbers actually neglect that they're names, names of people that we actually know. We'll look at the facts on a sheet, but then the thing about facts is it tends to forget that there are faces that are connected to those facts and they're familiar faces. They're the people that we see in day in and day out at school, at our workplace, in our community. They're the people that we look at when we look at the person in the mirror. But then you'll, you'll hear countless stories and you'll hear countless organization that's constantly vying for our attention, right? Vying for our donor dollars. And you see an ad on, the, on a magazine saying, hey, go give to this need because this, this organization wants your help. And you see a billboard driving by town and it says, give to this need because it's so massive and this organization is vying for your resources. And you click the channel on the TV screen and then you'll see this commercial that says, give to this need. And the needs are so big, it seems like it's overwhelming. And it's almost like it's like sensory overload, right? Where all of a sudden the needs become a little bit like white noise to all of us. And we stop hearing. We stop hearing the cries, we stop hearing homelessness, we stop hearing poverty, we stop hearing death, we stop hearing addictions because, right, let's, let's face it, you, you and I, we have a lot of problems on our own and what can we actually do to stop it? Where, where do we go when we're truly desperate, where we're truly in need? What are we supposed to do when everywhere that we look, from when we get home, to when we go to work, to when we're off to school, and when we're, we're out and around in our, in our city, all we see are just crisis. What do we actually do? Here's what we typically will do. We'll just, we'll throw up a pie in the sky kind of prayer. Like, hey God, why don't you just change this city overnight? Or we'll, we'll sink down into our despair. Hey, you know what? Everything is just done. It's, it's gotten so bad, it's probably gonna get 
worse. And all of a sudden, we can begin to be cynical. We stop, we stop really caring, and we complain about it, and we criticize the people and its problems. There are those people now, or we just focus on ourselves because, like I said, it's, it's a bigger need, so let's, let's just let, let the bigger organization with more time, more resources, more money just handle the bigger, bigger needs in our communities because what, what can we, we do? See, certainly Jesus, his friends were probably feeling like, like what you and I, we feel often. You see, they, they heard some news about one of Jesus' relatives, John the Baptist. He had been horrifically murdered, beheaded. And so they're in this emotional state, they're in an emotional wreck, and they're in need. And so they wanted to separate themselves from the crowd to just mourn. And so they set sail to go to the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee, only to come to the other side being met with an even larger crowd. The Bible says that there's about 5,000 men in attendance, not counting women or children, and they wanted Jesus to teach. I mean, what do you do when you have nothing left to give and you feel like you're in need, but it seems like those around you still want more from you and want more of you? You ever been in that position before? So Jesus taught. All of a sudden, it had gotten late that day, and the people grew hungry. And one of Jesus' disciples, John, was with him that day, and he wrote uh, an eyewitness account of this situation, found his book, the book of John, chapter 6. And here's where we're going to go at this weekend. It says, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, it would take more than a half year's worth of wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. You ever felt like that before, where it seemed like there, there were more mouths to feed than, feed than there was actually bread to hand out? Like, like, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's no bakery big enough to supply enough bread for all these people, and it's going to take half a year's worth of our wages just to give everyone one bite. That's not even enough, Jesus. That's like me saying, all right, everybody, I want you to take out your wallet. And we're going to split your salary in half, and here's what I want us to do with it. One half of that salary is going to go towards this weekend so that everybody gets one Cheez-It. Just one Cheez-It. You know what? Let's be super generous this weekend, and let's just give the entire salary, and, and everyone in this weekend is going to have two Cheez-Its. I mean, that's, that's awful nice of us to give everyone two cheeses. You'd probably think I was out of my mind to ask you something like that. You mean to tell me, Jay, that, that everyone is only going to have two cheeses this weekend, and I'm not going to eat for another 364 days? Not going to happen. You see, the, these men were, were feeling like this is impossible. Jesus, I'm already in a difficult predicament. I'm already in a painful position because I just lost a friend of mine, Jesus, and now I'm in this impossible place. But I love Philip's response because it goes to show that even people of faith are put in a predicament where it seems over their head, a financial crisis that they had no solution. It seemed like they did the, the right thing by, by at least diagnosing the crowd. They just didn't have the cure. They saw the problem. They just didn't have the provision for it. And so Jesus is looking at this crowd, 
And the disciples are looking at Jesus, and they're telling him, Jesus, you need to send them home. You know, oftentimes we can fall in that same category as well. Right, we can say, hey, you know what, I love Jesus. I love that he forgave me. I love that he saved me, but he won't go to work for me. He won't put food on the table for me. You know what, the first of the month's rent's about to come, and that's my signature that they're looking for. So, you know what, Jesus, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough talent. I definitely don't have enough money, so tell them to go home. But they didn't. See, Jesus actually told him to sit down. And what happens next is, is remarkable. It says another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peters, Peter's brother spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will it go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, and when they had all they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, now gather all the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. Clearly, they had not enough money to supply the need, and here comes this naive little boy. Now, I'm not sure how young this little boy was, but he was young enough to think that five loaves and two fish can actually feed grown people. Now, I'm not sure how far five loaves and two fish can actually go. It's, it's, it's probably going to give you about two and a half little fish sandwiches. Now, I'm not sure how many fellas are anything like me. I like to eat, and I like to eat a lot of meat. And so those two sandwiches would have just been enough just for me, myself, and I. And there's 4,999 more of us waiting to eat. So, hey, you know what, little buddy? Great, great job offering that but it's not going to work. Isn't that the case? So often in our city, in our community, where it seems like there's so much harm around us, but not enough helping hands. It seems like there's so many more problems, but not enough resources. So how do we respond to the needs all around us? How do we respond to the needs when it's presented in our life, the lack when it's presented at our workplace, in our school? Because it's not a matter of if we're going to experience a need or, or if we're going to experience a lack. It's when we experience the lack. How do we respond? If you have something to write with this weekend, I want to encourage you to take some notes. In your program, there's a, there's a place to take notes. Feel free to use your smartphone, your tablet device as well, because that day, I believe Jesus taught something more than just feeding hungry stomachs. He wanted to teach how to fill desperate hearts. So what can we take out from this passage of Scripture? And it's this, that we must be the miracle of God. You and I, we must be the miracle of God. I, I believe that you and I, we have been called to be the conduits of the miracle of God. I believe that the miracle of God will happen, not may happen, but will happen. It's going to come through you and I's hands. And I believe every single one of us would say, you know what? I want to be a part of the solution in my city, in my community, in my home. And I know we, we, we can't take it all on by ourselves, but we can surely try to contribute. But what I believe we'll, we'll soon realize is that we're much like Philip. Like we find out that we don't have enough. 
Jesus, I don't have half a year's worth of wages just sitting around. I'm living paycheck to paycheck, Jesus. Jesus, I don't have that kind of time. I'm just not enough. And so we feel broke. We feel empty because we can't do anything. It seems like our hands are absolutely tied, and so we'll, we'll feel frustrated. We'll get angry, and we'll get burnt out. You see, the reason why we respond with being broke or with being empty, it's not a financial thing. I want to put you at ease in that it's not a financial thing because Philip and this little boy responded in two different ways and none of them gave any monetarily. You see, the reason why you and I, we respond this way is because of a nature that's inside every single one of us. And it's what biblical authors call sin. You see, sin is any thought, any intention, any action that goes contrary to who God is. And this sin is like a self-sabotaging force that drives us away from God. God, the only one that can fill us. God, the only one that can satisfy our hunger and our soul's thirsting. But it causes us to think like something else or someone else can fill us, can satisfy that hunger, can, can satisfy that soul thirst. Hey, that job can, can satisfy that hunger, or that relationship can satisfy that hunger, that mentality, that desire, that, that new car, that new home can satisfy our hunger. This is what sin does to us, but it, it's almost like drinking salt water, where you feel like you're being satisfied for a moment, not knowing it's only dehydrating you, and it destroys you. That's what sin does to us. It destroys us. You see, more than just our bills paid, more than just our, our, our bank accounts being stacked, more than just a new car, new home, and more than just food on the fridge, what we need, you and I, we don't have the supply for it. We need something supernatural to provide for it. That day, those people wanted more than just teaching. When it got late that night, they didn't care what Jesus was saying. They wanted to know what he was cooking. They were hungry that day. So how do we become the miracle of God when it seems like we ourselves are in need of one? This weekend, I want to give us two complimentary thoughts. And the, the first is this. To be the miracle of God, you have to first receive the miracle of God. Later on in that same chapter, a few verses down, Jesus is then found speaking to another group of individuals. And he starts talking to them about bread. And he wasn't trying to tell them, hey, he, this is how you carb count. This is how you stay on keto. No, he wasn't talking about feeding people bread. He was talking about how this, this bread, it fills. And this is what the book of John says about this incident. It says, for the bread of God, this is what Jesus is saying, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, sir, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What Jesus was saying was, I'm the bread of life. I'm the only one that can satisfy that hungry heart of yours. I'm the only one that can satisfy your hunger for value. I'm the only one that can satisfy your hunger for love. I'm the only one that can quench the thirst of purpose. I'm the only one that can quench the thirst of vision. I'm the only one that, that, can, that can give you that. You see, because of sin, we, 
we, we have this great want and great need, but I love the teachings of Jesus. And I love all throughout scripture and sacred history, there is a principle that shows who God is, and God is a giver. God is a giving and generous God, and this miracle is not something you work for. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we deserve. It's something that we just merely receive. Jesus Christ came to give first so that we can receive the miracle. He came to give up his life in order for us to have new life. And Jesus' sole mission was to die in order to pay off our debt, in order to, to pay off the bankruptcy spiritually that you and I, we were too broke to pay down. And so when Jesus died, all of our shame, our sin, our guilt, our debt, and our death was heaped upon his life. And in his death, he defeated death just once and for all so that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would be forgiven. It'd be great if it stopped there, but it didn't. God is so generous, this is what happens next. Miraculously, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, and through the power of his resurrection, we receive a miracle called new life. You see, what happens is, God's invisible eternal spirit, it makes his home into our spirit. The spirit that thinks that salt water can satisfy us, thinks that that relationship, thinks that that bank account can satisfy us, it, it moves out. And the spirit that does satisfy us forever, that quenches our hunger, that quenches our thirst, it moves in and the miracle begins to move in our lives and it transforms us to be the miracle of God. So this, this is what happens. We begin to start seeing God as our provider, not as us as the provider, because what happens is we start realizing that God cares for us, that God wants to meet our needs, and his, his priority is, is our provision, is our provision. He wants to care for us, and he wants to be the miracle in the places where it seems like it's minuscule, like the place like five loaves and two fish, in the places where it seems too massive for us, like feeding a multitude. He wants to show up in places and he wants us to experience them in places where it seems like there's a lack and it seems like there's, there's a whole lot. But I don't want us to miss this, that Jesus is the miracle that I'm talking about. More than anything else, what Jesus was saying that day, he says, I'm the bread of life. Nothing else can fill you. Nothing else can satisfy you. Jesus is the true miracle. When we receive him by faith, we receive the greatest provision of all. You see that day, those 5,000 men plus women and children, they ate all they wanted. They were stuffed to the brim and they were full. But the next day, if they never tasted the bread of life, they'd be hungry again. And Jesus is saying, I can fill you. I can satisfy you if you receive me. Later on, Jesus' disciples wanted to ask, ask him to teach us, teach us how to do something. You see, it would have been easy if I was one of Jesus' followers that day to say, hey, teach me how you, you broke the bread and gave it to 5,000 people. Teach me how to do that, Jesus. That was really cool. Or, you know what, Jesus, I like that whole walking on water thing. That was really neat that you did. That was a cool miracle. I want to know how to do that miracle because doing that miracle is, is, is going to be a really cool miracle. But what they asked Jesus was, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And check this out. Jesus says, all right, here's how I want you to pray. Pray this way. Our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, check this out, our daily bread. 
he wasn't teaching them to demand something. He was teaching them that a provider's part is provision. We have to just pray and seek our provider. You see, the miracle doesn't happen when your bank account gets filled. The miracle doesn't begin when you got food in the fridge. The miracle doesn't begin when your needs are met or when that prayer is answered. The miracle begins when we find God in the middle of our story through faith in Jesus. The miracle didn't begin when that little boy offered up his lunch or when the disciples started distributing the food. The miracle began the moment Jesus Christ hit the scene. And when you and I, we receive Jesus by faith, we've received that miracle. That means no matter where we go, a miracle is possible. Because wherever the provider is present, a miracle can happen, and it can happen right now. It can happen in my home. It can happen in my school. It can happen in my city. But I've got to receive the miracle first. Lastly is this. To be the miracle of God, give the miracle of God. John says this in John chapter 6. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. God is inviting you and I to participate in his provision, and I believe he desires to work in and through our lives. And the way he will normally work in and through our lives is through senseless acts of obedience. See, that little boy offered up his one and only lunch that day. Five loaves, two fish. In hindsight, it looked like a senseless offering. But in God's sight, it was obedience. And he gave it up. It wasn't up for the little boy to disagree whether or not Jesus could use the little that was in his hand. It, it wasn't up for, for, for this little boy to debate whether or not Jesus wanted to use the little that was in his hand. It wasn't even up for the little boy to, to just debate Jesus. Jesus, I'm not sure you could possibly use this this pain. I'm not sure you can possibly use this experience. I'm not sure you could possibly use this, this hurt that, that, that got me before. I'm not sure you could do that. He just gave it. You see, obedience is central to us experiencing the miracle of God. Typically, what tends to happen is we want to see first, obey second. God, I'll talk to my, my coworker about you, so long as whatever is in my hand doesn't look like five loaves and two fish. God, I'll, I'll, I'll be a part of that outreach. I'll be a part of, of, of being, being a kingdom builder. So long as what I'm holding on to doesn't look like two small fish sandwiches. In our hands, it looks minuscule. But when we place it into the big hands of a providing father, it multiplies. The little boy gave it all. The disciples, they gave it all. Jesus is inviting us to be part of his generosity. 
God is so generous that he will lavish it all over us where the only thing that spills out of us is even more generosity. God is a, a giving and generous God. All throughout scripture, there is a principle that you'll find, sacrificial generosity. It's giving when it doesn't make sense. Giving when it hurts sometimes and when it feels good sometimes. It's giving out of obedience. You see, the, those that follow Jesus, the only way at times that they see the miracle and miraculous provision of God is when they become generous givers. That day, if that little boy decided to hoard his lunch, that day if the disciples decided not to distribute the bread, they would have missed out on a miracle. But because they gave, here's what happened. It wasn't just a, one miracle that happened that day. It was over 5,000 miracles that took place that day because individuals just wanted to be generous. And I believe that there were three types of generous individuals that God used to spread that miracle to a hungry crowd. And I believe that there's three types of generous individuals that God wants to use to spread his miracle in a hungry city, in a hungry home, in a hungry school. The first type of person is a lunch packer. You may be looking at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean, Jay? You see, that day the little boy offered up his lunch, but someone had to have made it. You know, I'm reminded of my wife, Margaret, when I think about a lunch packer because she's super prepared, super detailed. She makes sure all my kids have the right stuff. I, on the other hand, tend to put some questionable things in their lunch bag. I'm the kind of dad, they said, Mr. Recto, here's what I need you to bring in your lunch, in your, in your, in your child's bag. Spray on sunscreen. One job, Jay. Spray on sunscreen. You know what I did? I put wrinkle release spray in that bag. I know on that day their clothes were nice and straight, not sure if they got sunburned. That's why I know that this little boy would have been Margaret's son because she wants to make sure everyone was prepared. Can you believe that out of 15,000 individuals, there was only one boy with, a pair, with lunch and he only had five loaves and two fish? Whoever this person was did the quiet, consistent act of service but just packing the lunch. I believe God is looking for lunch packers in this place. Saying, God, I don't need the credit. I don't need to be seen. I'll look ahead to see what my city's gonna need. I'll look ahead to see what my school's gonna need, to, to see what my, my home's gonna need, to see what my spouse is gonna need, to see what my children's gonna need, to, to see what, what my community, my city, all around me is gonna need. I'm just gonna pack the lunch. Only God's gonna know what what he can do with that small act of consistent care and service. Secondly, you have that little boy offered up his lunch. That was just a radical act of generosity, radical. I mean, the little boy didn't even know if he was gonna get his lunch back. He didn't know if Jesus was gonna chop it up in small little pieces. He didn't know any of that stuff, he just gave it. And then you got those disciples that started distributing bread. I can only imagine what was going on in their heads that day. It's gonna run out. I know it's gonna run out. I mean, I'm only past this crowd right here. It's definitely gonna run out and I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look foolish. It's gonna run out. But they still distributed it, distributed what seemed to look insufficient. Obedience is our part. Provision is the provider's part. I, I'm, a, I'm a sole believer of this that the miracle that will happen 
in our city, that will happen in our homes, that will happen all around our region and our communities is not gonna come from a lightning bolt from heaven. It's not gonna come from individuals showing up like Oprah Winfrey and say, hey, you get a car and you get a house and you get a new job. It's not gonna happen that way. I believe that it's gonna come just like it came in the feeding of the multitude. A group of individuals here that's just consistent packing lunches. You know what? I'm going to consistently give to Kingdom Builders. I want to I support that missionary. You know what? I'm going to send this, this kid on a missions trip. I, I, I'm just going to be consistent. I don't have to be seen. I don't have to get the credit. Then you're going to have another group of individuals here that says, God, I'm willing to give you my lunch. I know it doesn't look much, but I'll join a dream team. I know it doesn't look much, but I'll go on that outreach. I know it doesn't look much, but I'll show up at Reach Shelter and, and show the love of Jesus down there. I, I'll be a kingdom builder, God. Then you got another group of individuals that's just willing to give out. Whatever I got in my hand, I'm willing to give it out. Even though it doesn't look like enough, God, I'm willing to give it out. I believe when we do our part, the provider does his. So where are you at today? Where are you at this weekend? Maybe your part today is simply by starting and just receiving the miracle of God. I believe a miracle can happen all around us, all throughout this weekend. I believe it starts when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so today, if you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Would you make that move? We just say, God, I repent of my sin. I'm going to turn away from, from drinking salt water, God. And, and I, want, I want to receive you as the bread of life. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I want to receive your forgiveness. And I want to start being in a miracle of God. Today, maybe you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. What is that one radical act of obedience that God is calling you to? Or is that one radical act of generosity that God's calling you to? Is it giving your time, your talent, or is it your treasure? Would you take a moment right now? Would you pause? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.